no mai, haere mai, ki tēnei hōtaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National Talking Budget for much of the show. The panel this afternoon, and before we get into the, some of the key points, let's bring in our panellists this afternoon. We have Victims' Right Advocate Ruth Money. Kia ora, Ruth. Kia ora, everyone. And the head of the Newmarket Business Association, Mark Noth-Thomas. How Hello. are you? Very well, how are yeah, you? Great to have you both on. Looking at some key points, if you have not yet picked them up, now the government will extend 20 hours of free childcare a week to two-year-olds, previously three-year-olds. Picking up medicine will be free from July with the $5 prescription free scrapped. Uh, $10.7 billion poured into infrastructure and $6 billion for a national resilience plan. Inflation predicted to fall rapidly over the next year. And permanent free public transport for under-13s introduced alongside half-price fares for under-25s. And Kiwi Rail, they're in line to receive an extra $370 million. They should uh, need that, right? And Timatatini, the country's largest kapahavaka competition, will receive $34 million over the coming two years. Now, that festival will get more funding than the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra for the first time. Christopher Luxon, he's called it the blowout budget. David Seymour, he says the government is pumping out cash and this budget... It's inflationary. Uh, we have uh, a number of guests this afternoon. But firstly, coming back to that flagship promise, the government will extend 20 hours of free childhood childcare a week to two-year-olds and that $5 prescription fee scrapped. We have Associate Professor in Economics at the University of Auckland and a spokesperson for the Child Poverty Action Group, uh, Associate Professor Susan St. John. Kia ora. Okay, so just announced. Uh, how do you? Well, how do you uh, read this, and how do you feel about that? Uh, I guess that flagship policy: twenty hours free childcare a week to two-year-olds. It's certainly going to make a huge difference for a large number of families with younger children, uh, and like the transport policy that's just been announced. It's a very good initiative. But having said that, if we think about the thousands and thousands of families that the Auckland City Mission report at their doors, unable to feed themselves, I don't see anything in this budget that is going to address the immediate poverty, hardship, food insecurity problems that families face every day. All right, yeah, uh, we'll bring in our panellists soon. And, and I guess that because the Child Poverty Action Group recently modelled that gap, didn't they, on the shortfall for a basic standard of living and that estimated shortfall for a typical sole parent with three kids and a private rental is around $116 for basics and $250 for cost. And I was thinking, gosh, that's quite a shortfall to try and get together payday to payday. And it explains why so many families end up at food banks. By the time they've paid the rent and they've paid the absolute essentials, it's the food budget that's left just in tatters. Uh, And if they don't go to a food bank to fill up that gap, well, then they're going to other loan providers, which, of course, the more you borrow, the more you've got to repay and the worse the next deficit's are going to become. And we've had this vicious 
cycle working for families over several years so that their accumulated deficits are high. The, the ones that we reported uh, that you spoke about didn't include debt repayment. No. Those debt repayments just make it worse. All oh, right. So from what I hear from you, Susan, it's more kind of ni- nice to hear, but a tinkering, but doesn't address some, some of those real problems, addressing that, you know, Ruth money, that uh, payday to payday shortfall. You know, it's uh, yes, imagine being in that right. position, Ruth. Yes, I, I mean, I agree with Susan. I, you see a little bit of tinkering. There's some childcare. But at the end of the day, people need Kai. <laughs> and um, I don't really see any cost of living movements. There's one bright light, that's the free school lunch program. Apparently that was only funded up into the end of uh, this year, I think it was. So they say it's going to be extended until the end of 2024. It should be properly, permanently funded and extended going further forward than that. However, at least it's still there. Right. Mark. I think tinkering is the word of the day. It does feel like a bit like tinkering and maybe plugging a few holes in the dam. Um, Susan, if you, you know, from your view of the world, what would be the top three things the government could actually do to really do some seriously good for child poverty? Oh, look, just three. Um, let's well, have a look at working for families. The first thing you do is you make sure that the very worst off families get their full entitlement to working for families. Currently, they are denied $72.50 a week. That would cost about half a billion a year, but it would be very cost-effective in terms of alleviating poverty at that level. And then you would deal with the issue of low-income families trying to get ahead by earning a bit more in the workforce so that when they're around 42000 or so, uh, they earn extra money and then they start to lose their working for families. And all of that needs to be adjusted urgently because it's trapping families and preventing them from earning their way out of poverty. And a third thing that could be done and should be done is the writing off of all the debt that's owed to the government agencies like the Ministry of Social Development and the IRD and the Ministry of Justice to name three, uh, these are just providing a, a hugely negative spiral for families as they try to repay these debts. Susan, can I ask you a question? And just fairly, uh, just coming back to that shortfall, I'm just because it's quite extraordinary. I'm just trying to think about that situation if I was in it. Um, practically, if you if you do have a shortfall around a hundred to two hundred dollars uh, a fortnight or a week. What do you do? You either go hungry or you end up at the food banks to get some free food or you go to Wins and you argue for a top-up that that may be repayable or you go to payday lenders or family and you go into debt, you max out on your credit card and you get to the point where you simply can't borrow any more. Nice to have you on the program, um, Dr. St. John Kiora, and appreciate your comments uh, on 
the budget there. That's Associate Professor in Economics at the University of Auckland, a spokesperson for the Child Poverty Action Group, um, kind of sort of suggesting that um, it's, 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 it's nice, this 20 hours free childcare a week to two-year-olds, but uh, a lot more could be done. All right, uh, more to come on that. We have uh, the economics of it with Cameron Bagri, and also, interestingly, this... Um, this free public transport for under 13s along with half price fares for under 25s. What do you think of that? Do you think that is uh, something that you support? But for now, let's uh, jump into our I've Been Thinking Ruth Money. Take it away. Well, I have a child protection theme today. Um, so as you know, working with uh, survivors of all types of crime. Uh, one case recently was a man who had admitted serious sexual assaults against multiple young ladies and his uh, relative, who was a principal of a school, decided it was appropriate that he would be employed as a teacher aide and there was all sorts of naughtiness going on with her perhaps not vetting him via police, etc. that needed to happen. Um, we've now been successful in that... Uh, He's been removed, so has she, although she's still a registered teacher, which is terrifying. Um, So the Teachers' Council needs to move. Uh, The Board of Trustees have stood down, but what I want to say to people is that it's always after the fact that a parent or a caregiver says to me, oh, well, I didn't want to report it because what if I'm wrong? And I just want to challenge you, what if you're right? Mm. You need to check. You need to vet. You need to ask people who are running your sports teams your schools, your board of trustees, always ensure that our tamariki are safe because they will not flourish and it's actually your job to ask those questions. It's not the kids. What's the first step in asking that question? Because that's a very good point because you might um, take your... Uh, take your young to a new dance class, rugby class, whatever, music lesson. How do you, how do you start the process? I wouldn't it's even a very been, good, uh, very, very good issue. Yeah, I wouldn't even be showing up until I had had a conversation with them and right. asked for their police vetting and their child protection oh, policy. Okay. I would not be showing up to a club or a school camp um, without that right? knowing that everybody had been mm. appropriately police vetted. And there is a trick for young players. If someone has gone through the youth justice process, um, they have to admit the crime before the mm. family group conference and, and that process can happen. So don't fall for the, oh, no, no, um, he hasn't got a conviction. Uh, what you need to check yeah. is what has mm. happened in the youth justice process, what has been admitted to, what did they admit to, uh, as well as any adult Gosh, jurisdiction mm. stuff. I've always actually thought on the back in the day of the school billeting when you do travel around the country for sports, what do they do around that for vetting the parents or families you're going to stay with? Yeah, and they're supposed to vet mm. them. Uh, but who's to say that Auntie Shelley doesn't come over and Auntie Shelley is a risk to your children? Mm. Um, so, yeah, you need to be very careful because if you don't protect your kids, no one is going to protect it's your kids. It's a fearful and frightful thought, isn't it? It is, but you don't want to be the what if. Okay, very good. All right. Mm. Uh, Mark Knopf Thomas, I've been thinking. Well, there's a lot to take on at the moment in lots of ways around what's happening in New Zealand. So, uh, I was just been thinking, is New Zealand. <clears throat> too broke 
to afford its upkeep because yeah we've been this year we've got you know five million people or, or give or take a bit um, it's a very small taxpayer base to fund a lot of things for a very large geographic area the size of the UK or Japan and also in a local level very very small rate payer bases very small rate payer bases paying uh, paying rates to fund councils etc and it seems like we've had quite a, a few fair share of disasters uh, weather events etc and we're constantly Constantly having to go and repair things and do things, and everything feels like it's a bit DIY. We can't, we haven't got the funds or the resources to do things in a decent long term with a long term solution. Um, and I think this is a problem which is only going to keep getting worse. And economically, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening which aren't necessarily firing up in a very positive way, meaning that the pressures on the economy and on taxpayers and on ratepayers to do more with, or and councils and government agencies to do more with less is an increasing thing. And, and you can you see know, with the council rates, uh, there was one down, is mm. it uh, out of Wellington, 18%? And it's only going to go oh, one gosh. way. So is it time for us to look at, you you know, what else we can do, what foreign support could maybe help us. Is it time, and I say this with a devil's advocate grin, for us to become a state of Australia? They've got more money than we have. Wow. Are you serious? Well, I think, you know, I, I just looking ahead, you know, the way New Zealand's looking and what we need to do, what we need to achieve, the funding we actually need to, do, to properly do justice and police uh, and infrastructure, roading, airports, ports, everything in its totality is quite overwhelming, and I don't think we've got the resources to do it. You are echoing Martin Bosler, who said he went to Australia and he didn't want to admit it, but he thought it was a country going places. Uh, let me put that out to the, uh, the listeners this afternoon. Is it time for Aotearoa, New Zealand, to actually become... A state of Australia. Uh-oh. That's the idea of Mark Knopf Thomas. Yes or no? I'm not going to do a poll, but I'd be interested in gauging your thoughts on that. You're on the panel on RNZ National talking budget this afternoon. Do stay with us.